You're listening to the Transcend Podcast. I'm your host, Asha Wilkerson, an attorney by training and an educator at heart. This podcast is all about empowering you to build a business and leave a legacy. Here's the thing. The wealth gap in America is consistently increasing. And while full-time entrepreneurship is not for everyone, even a side hustle can change your financial landscape if you're intentional about using your business to build wealth. I've run my own law firm for over 10 years. And in that time, I've helped countless California businesses go from idea to six figures. On this podcast, we talk about what it truly takes to build a sustainable business and find financial freedom. Let's dive in. This episode of the podcast is definitely one you won't want to miss. Today, I am talking with Vanessa Zami, who calls herself the business defibrillator. She talks about how to move through that stuck stage in your business where you were growing and now you've spent a couple of years at the same revenue where you're not, it's not getting lower, but it's not getting bigger either. This is a great episode. Tune in. I guarantee she's going to drop some gems and you will enjoy. And also, don't forget to share this episode on social media or via text to your favorite friend and business owner if you like it and want to spread the word. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Transcend the Podcast. I am so excited to have a special guest here today who is also another business coach, which is absolutely fantastic. I am here with Vanessa Zami. Did I pronounce that right? I should have asked you before I got started. Yes, you did pronounce it right. Vanessa Zami, yes. Awesome. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So I'm excited to dive into your story, but the first thing I have to ask you is, the business defibrillator. How did you come up with that? Like, that's catchy. Like, I'm going to remember that. What makes you the business defibrillator? That is such a great question. So my clients call me the business defibrillator because I help bring life back to them in their business. And in an ideal scenario, you know, like the my the businesses that I work with, they are, you know, making their low six figures and but they're not at the financial freedom that they thought they would have when they started their business 10, 5, 15 years ago. And so an ideal scenario, though, they would reach out to me, they would, you know, come into the hospital for their checkup and all would be good, right? But usually what happens is people wait, I'm sort of like the last call, Uh, people wait until they're on the hospital bed, and their business just needs a great old shock. So I provide free electric shocks to um, these local community businesses to help them survive, grow and scale their business without the burnout, sleep deprivation or meditation. Ooh, I like it. I like it. So they're so they've been in business for a while. and They're like, man, I'm moving along. This is not what I thought it would be. I'm ready to kind of give it up. And they find you and you shock some life back into the business. So what are the things that you're looking at when they've hit that plateau or that wall and they're not sure where to go? Yes. And the thing about it is that what I look at, the first part I look at is their vision. So I'm looking at where do they ultimately want to go? Because even though, you know, financial freedom looks like different things for different people. A lot of my clients are in like their mid fifties. And so they're thinking about retirement from the perspective of like, I'm a business owner, so I should be already, you know, able to vacation wherever I want to go and send time with my grandkids and I'm not, right? And so, but it looks like different things for different people. And so looking at what's their vision. And then from there, I then explore, okay, what is the current state? And the current state I'm looking at, I'm looking at all areas of their business, including looking at the marketing, their sales, their leadership or lack thereof, their finances, and also their systems within all those different areas. And then what I do is I help them craft the right strategy, the customized strategy, personalized strategy relative to their current state and their vision state and to fill in that gap from where they are now to where they ultimately want to go with their business. And so, for example, one client, she's going off to Portugal now uh, next month, and but she has a bar in California and she had that bar for 12 years. 
when she came to me though, she was at a place where she was making the same income, great income, like a great like business income, right? Like for people who are not making any money in their business, like you would look at my clients and be like, but they're doing so great. Why do they need help? And because they're not doing as great as they know they can do. Right. And so, and also when you hit that stuck amount and you're at a business, you're like, okay, I want to keep growing though. Like what, what's, let me get back to growth. And so a lot of my clients want to get back to that growth. And for her specifically though, she was looking at also expanding internationally and she wanted to be in a place where she could, you know, go back to Portugal and visit for a couple of months and still have her bar in California, still producing income, still growing all that jazz. And so for her, we did a lot of work on one, the financial magic component of the business. And then two, getting her leadership and her hiring in place so that she could, you know, leave, like physically herself, leave the business and go somewhere else and still have the business operate and run while she's away. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, on so many levels, one, California, which is where I am. So, hey, two, Portugal. I love it. I think I kind of want to move there myself. Like, yes. And three, I like what you said, too, that it's not about necessarily the income. I mean, you're working with people who have an income, but it's whatever their stuck point is. So someone may be stuck at 100K in revenue and someone else may be stuck at 300K in revenue. But the point is that they're feeling stuck and they're not sure how to move out. And I love that you take them back to what the vision is, because if you don't have a vision, how do you move forward? Or you don't know where you're moving forward to. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like they don't know where they're moving forward to. And so and also for me, as someone who's I'm trying to like, as you probably know, as a business coach yourself, right? It's helpful for me when I'm coming up with the strategies for my clients to say, where do they ultimately want to go? Because there's so many different ways to, you know, be a leader, to do your marketing, to different systems that you could implement, right? And even one, if I'm working, if I have two clients, you know, two bars, what I'm going to tell one bar is going to be completely different from what I tell another bar, likely because why? They have different visions, different current states, right? Um, And so ultimately it's really understanding where's their vision, where they ultimately want to go, right? Whereas if that client had said, you know, I just want to be in a place where the business is growing, but I'm still there, right? If that's her next step, we would be having a whole different conversation, right? Portugal wouldn't have even been in the discussion, right? Um, Her team would look pro- a little bit, probably quite different than it does now in terms of keeping her business going and growing, so to speak. Whereas another client of mine, she's a home decor business in Michigan. And for her, right, when she came to me, she was, she sent me that Facebook message, help, because she was on the hospital bed. <laughs> if only, if only she came to me beforehand. But ultimately, uh, she had been following me for a while, trying to do the stuff on her own. And, you know, that was like great and dandy. And then she found herself not getting the return that she wanted. And she was like, I hired this marketing agency. It's not getting me back to the growth. And she had been in business actually for 13 years at that time. And she had still been at, not still, but she had been at that low six figure range. And she was like hitting the same amount for the past three years. And that's when she was like, okay, like I tried to do all this on my own. Like then she was at some point just hemorrhaging money, just losing money. And for her though, her vision though, because she has a lovely supportive husband, they're looking to expand their real estate with fix and flips as well too. And she also, you know, her at the time, her daughter who was helping her with her marketing was also looking, was pretty much like pregnant. It was going to be about to, you know, produce a grandchild and the family. And so it was all these different pieces coming to play where her next step looked a little different, where ultimately, yes, she does want to go eventually, you know, be on that international trip with her husband. But first, you know, having the time and flexibility to work on the other projects while still having the main project still going, the home decor business in store, while still then, you know, taking advantage of all the other properties that they have in their asset portfolio as well. So for people, it just looks a little different. 
Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And and I also appreciate what you're talking about because you're talking about people who've been in business for multiple years, right? It's not just the new folks. There's a lot of marketing, of course, to new folks who need business coaches, but people who have been in business for a while also take advantage of business coaches because life happens, business happens, right? You might need that expertise to get you through to that next step. So my next question is about how much mindset work do you do with people? Yeah. So the mindset work I do a lot of, I just don't advertise it as much, right? Because as you probably know, the entrepreneurs, they don't like to hear that word. They're like, what is that word? Okay. Um, but ultimately I like to say it's 20%. The work that I do is 20% strategy, 80% mindset. And so, cause what I can do is, well, not can do, but what I do is, right, I give people the strategy. I give them the clear plan, the clear path forward, the action items, the next steps, the recommendations, and then they got to do the things. And that's when a lot of stuff comes up. Like, for example, even the financial management piece, right? And so I'll help clients with that, where it's looking at, okay, yes, your business making, you know, almost $400,000 per year, but you're still hustling. Why? Because you're not looking at your money or even paying yourself. So let's do that. <laughs> like, and, but then all stuff comes up around, oh, but if I pay myself, my business will lose money. And it's like, what? So we go through a whole lot of stuff around like money and money mindset as well, right? Other times it's a leadership thing and leadership discussions. Uh, like when a client has to do a lot of work around even just, because a lot of my clients at the stage that they are, you know, making the six figures in their mind, yes, they understand the power of outsourcing, delegating. They have a team in the store or in the restaurant or in the salon doing stuff and doing other things. So like, yes, they have that first step. Whereas new entrepreneurs tend to not even like think about, they're like, I can do this myself, right? Whereas uh, people, early six figures, like they understand they probably already have a staff of people, but then the question is, are they leading their staff in the right way, right? Which then takes into account just different leadership stuff in terms of, you know, okay, your employees are unruly, your employees are leaving. Like, you know, and one client was like, oh yeah, but that's just the industry, that's just the industry. And I'm just like, no, that's not the industry, that's you. Mm-mm. So then, so then we go into all those different pieces, right? Around, and then I take that, take that mindset stuff and turn it into strategy and always taking it into, turn it into action items for my clients. And that's what they appreciate because it is mindset, but then it's like next steps to improve that mindset, next steps to improve the situation and the scenario and tangible things that they can do so they can keep moving forward on their vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That made me think of, of a couple different things. A couple of weeks ago, I said, I feel like I don't, in one of my business coaching containers where I was being coached, I was like, I don't think I need more mindset right now. I need more strategy. I need like something tangible to do. And my coach was like, mm, I hear you, but also mindset is strategy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then a couple of days later, it sunk in, right? Getting your mind right is a part of building your business. But, and people are talking about it more now. They weren't, we weren't talking about this five years ago in entrepreneurship or 10 years, definitely not 10 years ago. So I appreciate that learning how our brains work and, and it being okay to say, I don't have it all together in my brain just yet. And let me get some accountability or some uh, coaching or guidance to move forward on that so that I can implement these other pieces of the strategy, like financial strategy, like sales strategy, like marketing strategy. The other two things I thought about are years ago, I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I read it way too early. But when you're talking about managing employees and um, sometimes we're standing in our own way of getting the best out of the people who are supporting us. And in that book, Tim at the time ran a supplement company and he was spending, I don't know, like I think he said like 20 hours a day, 19 hours a day on email. 
And then he realized what the questions that he was asking or answering had to do with like returns. Customers were unhappy and it, the cost was like $10. Uh, the average cost was $10 or below $10. And so he empowered his call center staff to make any decision that they needed to, to satisfy the customer, as long as that cost didn't amount to more than $10. And that greatly freed up his time. And it can be little decisions like that, that we're keeping for ourselves. And if we just empower those who are working for us, or at least one other person to make that decision, we eliminate some of that bottleneck. So learning how to work with your staff is super important. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then the third thing I was thinking of was, I recently read this book called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. And it is written for really business, well, business leaders, which I guess we all are. And it was the synopsis, essentially, like my takeaway from it was this leader was leading this team and he felt like he had to have all the answers. And so when he would go into the team meetings, he was frustrated because the team wasn't performing like they were at his last job. But instead of asking his team and working with his team and getting information from his team, he would shut down suggestions. And it was circular because the way that he would respond meant also that his team wasn't making suggestions. So he thought his team was just disinterested, not working, kind of dumb because they weren't coming up with ideas. But by his attitude towards them, because he was carrying this chip on his shoulder or this assumption where he felt like he had to have the answers, he also wasn't inviting their response because it didn't wasn't a safe space. So all that to say, when you start managing people, there are a lot of things to look at when you are building out your team and you're wondering why people just won't get on board or why it's not working. It's probably you. That is true. That is true. And the way I think about it is that even like some people will come you know, at the beginning stage, not in the beginning stage, but they'll just come to me and be like, okay, Vanessa, I want to work on this and this and this and that. And there are some times when I won't even recommend people do business coaching with me. I'll just say, here's a life coach. I got about three to five options for you. Hit them up, do that work first, right? And then come to me because as a business consultant, as a business consultant, it's like, yes, there are mindset stuff that we do. And for those listening, I don't know what stage of business that you're in, but guess what? When you're at a billion dollars, a million dollars, or $100,000 or $10,000, there's going to be mindset stuff, right? It's not It's not a, oh, I do it for the first year of business, and then I no longer have to work on mindset. The end, like that's not a thing. So just FYI, um, right? So ultimately, the mindset work is a forever thing. There are some people, though, who need to do even more like trauma grief work, and I have them do that first before they then, you know, work on their business, because you don't want to bring that energy into your business when you're actually trying to grow to the next level. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that I'm like really realizing now and say that's really sinking in is that there isn't a final destination to mindset work or working on your brain or working on your attitude or working on your emotion or your or your spirit or whatever it is. We are dynamic people and there are always things that are going to come in and out of our lives, people that come, situations that come, businesses that come in and out. And so mindset, it's like going to the gym, right? You don't go to the gym once and think that now you're going to be fit for the rest of your life. We understand that it's a continuous process. Mindset is the same thing. And it's not bad. I feel like a lot of us have, oh, I got to do mindset work. Even myself, I'm like, oh God, I got to get my mind right, right? But my mind is a part of me. So why don't I just accept that my mind is going to take work just like my body's going to take work? I don't know. What do you think about that? I completely agree with you. It is a one of the things where... Your mind, body, and soul, or actually I'll take a a step back with this. What I always tell people in my workshops is that you are the core of your business, right? As a business owner, you are the core of your business. And so if you don't show up for your business, no one else will. 
But ultimately, also, if you don't show up optimally for your business, your business will not show up optimally for the rest of the world, for your leads, for your clients, for your customers, for, you know, the the traffic coming to your website, for the streams, whatever it may be. And so as the core of your business, it is important and necessary to ensure that that core is nice and tight, okay? And so whether it be your app core, whatever it may be, but ensure that that core is nice and tight so that you can show up the best way you can for the potential people who can become your customers and clients and for your actual customers and clients as well too. So they can feel better about you and your business. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. So let's talk a little bit more about the businesses that you help. So I know you have a range and income range between 75K and about 250. Why is it that you're working with businesses in that range? Yes. So I'm working business in that range. And so, and I'll take a step back here. So I call my clients local Laura. I also work with local Lawrence's sometimes, but we'll say local Laura. So local Laura is the way I describe her. She's in her mid fifties, you know, but she looks like she's in her forties. She has a lot of life left in her. And she has this business that she's had for you know eight years. And unfortunately though, she's at a point where she is an empty nester. She has a very supportive, you know, partner, but her business is not at the financial freedom stage that she thought it could be or it should be at the point of eight years of business and still, you know, making the six figure income, right, that she wants it to make. And what's happening is that, you know, behind closed doors, local Laura is tossing and turning at night because she's just like far from the financial wealth that she wants, far from the financial freedom that she thought she could have, you know, far from just the idea of really true success, right, that she wants in her business and for her grandkids also too, right? It's not even just about her and her spouse, but it's also about kids and and her grandkids and generations to come. And the thing about it is that that's causing local lore heart-wrenching stress, but she's really great at keeping a straight face, you know, uh, to the customer and the clients, but behind closed doors, she's uncertain about, you know, getting the ideal sort of customers. And I say that to say someone in the early stage of business may be like, I'm feeling, I'm facing the same challenge. But the thing about it is that at the six-figure business range, it's, they also sometimes will face that same challenge. And usually what's happening is that they were getting to a place where their energy in their mind was impacting who was coming in the door and who not wasn't coming in the door. They're also at the same time, they're frustrated because they're not hitting, they keep hitting the sales peak year after year after year. And they want to, they know that their business can make more. And they're also discouraged because they're just like, okay, will I ever be able to just take a vacation? Right. And because their staff is unreliable, they're like, do I like, is it going to be possible for me to just like go off and, you know, be free and still have the business going? And so with all this uncertainty and frustration and discouragement, what happens with local Laura is that that's what she has up on the hospital bed. And she just goes, okay, the business defibrillator. And I enter with the defibrillator and I'm like, you know, or whatever the sound is, right? And then helping Laura get that increased store traffic, increased sales and get that loyal, intelligent team. And the reason why I say 75 to 250K is ultimately that's the sweet spot of the businesses that are, you know, ready to do what they need to do to get to that next level in their business, right? They're ready and able and they love it, right? And they are at a place where they've experienced success to some extent. They're, they've experienced success to some extent. And even though it's not where they know they could be, but there's certainly some level of success. And so they're hungry for more and they have that energy and passion in them. And I love working with them. It's great. Um, but also at the same time, usually my clients, what happens is that they are at the space where they are thinking about the future. It's not just about, you know, how do I get this house now, right? But it's how do I get that third, fourth, fifth investment property? How do I ensure that this is a wealth? And that's just like the wealth business versus the get rich business is two different things. Uh, And so there's also that different mindset that they're approaching it as well too, which is why I appreciate working with local Laura. And then ultimately when it comes down to it, right? As you probably hear in the description, I help mom and pop shops. I help brick and mortar businesses. And those are a lot of businesses that are not getting help, right? You have the online businesses, the 
digital nomad that like all those, uh, a lot of my, you know, peers and creditors are working with those types of businesses, which is great. Awesome. Love it. But there are also mom and pop shops and small businesses that, you know, not a hundred percent of them, even businesses that make it past 10 years, not a hundred percent of them make it to 15, 20, 25. And it's not because they didn't want to. It's not because they can't. It's because they ultimately had a, a question, a problem that they didn't turn into a question that if they had, they would then have been able to really take their business to the next level. So I help these brick and mortar businesses multiply their revenue by revitalizing their business's finances, operations, and marketing so that that business owner can get towards that wealth producing business portfolio and retire comfortably and have that financial freedom that they've always wanted that they can have as well too. And so for me, it's just like a really soft spot for the mom and pop shops. And so, yeah, that's where, that's what I comes from. Yeah, I like it. I mean, and it makes sense that, you know, your business is going to look different after eight years or 10 years. And if you've been doing it the same way for the past eight or 10 years, you may need a spark from the outside to think to be able to look with different eyes about what changes to make inside the business, right? Like we've been, I've been doing the same workout for the last, this isn't actually accurate, but let's say I've been doing the same workout for the last three years. So I'm going to get the same results that I've always gotten. But if those results aren't what I want anymore, then I'm going to need to change it up. And sometimes it's hard to do when you're in the middle of your own business. So, and I love also that you work with the the brick and mortars. Like, don't forget the brick and mortars. You're right. Everybody's trying to be online and that's where I try to hang out. I like that. Um, But the brick and mortars are important too. So does it matter where they're located? You mentioned, I think you said Michigan and California. Can you work with anybody all across the U.S. or internationally even? Exactly. Yeah. So I do work with clients throughout the globe. Most of my local lore clients are within the US. And so if need be, I'm able to, so I have my local community business accelerator, uh, which is a three month program where I work with these businesses to help them increase their sales by 50%. And we also do all the bunch of other work that we talked about here on this lovely episode. Uh, And, but ultimately it is, if need be out, like, for example, I did go in person to visit a client and I hopped on the plane flew on over a couple of weeks ago and went to go see her in person because that was what was needed to ensure that we took the next step with her business. And based on also her portfolio of what she needed and for me to understand as well too. So I do the work that needs to get done. And most of my clients, so we do work virtually. And so, but I will essentially do an onsite visit if I need to do an onsite visit. But everyone within the my local community business accelerator, they get access to me as their trusted strategic business advisor. And they get that one-on-one attention, that customized tailored support. And I'm happy to provide it. Happy to provide it. Yes. I love it. I mean, it's obvious that you're passionate about it and, you know, love what you do. So how did you even get into this? How did you become a business coach? Yes. So ultimately, I've actually answered this question multiple times today, surprisingly. Um, But uh, I don't know why. It seems to be the day. Not with me yet. Yeah, not with you. No, it seems to be like the origin story day, I guess. But ultimately what happens is that, so I was doing my corporate job. So I was in corporate strategy, helping Fortune 500 companies make their millions and billions. So I was doing consulting, helping different industries, you know, from retail to nuclear manufacturing, to financial services, to consumer packaged goods. Uh, And then I was spent the essentially last two years of my corporate career at a retail apparel company specifically. And while I was there, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was a book that introduced me into just how accessible entrepreneurship was. So I didn't come from an entrepreneurial family background. It was very much so, I was like, oh yeah, like, and I was in actually, I was in Oakland. I lived in Oakland at the time when I had this, when I read this book and I was on the bar actually reading the book. Oh, uh, but uh, <laughs> that's so local. Like you really lived here. Yes. I was on the bar, the public transit, for those who don't know, in Oakland, reading that book to from work. Uh, and <laughs> this was pre-pandemic. Uh, and ultimately it was in reading that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that I realized that, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't just for people in Teslas in Palo Alto. And so it was also for pretty much everyone around the country, at least in America, at the very least. 
And so that was what inspired me to say, okay, maybe this whole entrepreneurship thing is the path for me because this corporate world, I was like, man, I was moving on up, but it was a struggle of a chess game. I was like, oh my God, this cannot be my life for the next 30, 40 years, please. Uh, so that's when I read the book. The book happened upon my lap. Someone, the VP at a company, at the company, shared it with me. And I was like, oh my God. So I read that book and it was until a couple months later that I actually woke up with the idea for my company, Your Vision's Catalyst, through which it is the umbrella consulting company that I use to consult my clients. I use the tagline, The Business Defibrillator, as a way to reach out to them. But ultimately, Your Vision's Catalyst, that came to me in a trance when I was in Oakland, Rockridge neighborhood, uh, and the sun was coming up on a Sunday morning and I woke up with the sun. I grabbed my laptop, started typing away. I remember three hours later, I looked up from my laptop. And I looked back at my laptop and I was like, oh, Sans, I have a business plan. So I had the mission, the vision, the pillars. Um, less than a month later, the logo was up, the colors, the website, all the things were already there. Registration, all the stuff. You know, California, business registration is a whole nother story. But I had all that set up within the month and it was like, okay, time to get clients. Now, I kept my day job intentionally while doing my business in the beginning stages. I recommend that for everyone. But ultimately, that was a decision that I made. And I still had other people in my line items and budgets that I had to send money to. So I was like, cool, we're just going to... Try to keep calm, you know, stay calm, uh, keep still, stay calm. And so I kept my day job while doing my business. And then I also then made that full-time transition. But yeah, but that was, that was how that all happened. So pretty much what I do for my business now, right, is I apply the corporate strategy problem solving that I was doing from Fortune 500 companies. And I apply that to these small businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like, I mean, you were in my backyard. I love it. So <laughs> like, that's such like, it's such a movie scene reading put rich dad, poor dad on the BART, right? And then like watching the sun come up in your Rockridge neighborhood is like, you're typing like, I can totally see it. I can totally like picture the scene and it sounds so inspiring. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that journey. And also another thing too, is it sounds like you were in a position where you sort of waited for the vision to come to you. You didn't, doesn't sound like you forced it or made the decision. Like that's, I think that's beautiful. It's a, that's a beautiful way to start. Cause I think, I believe that entrepreneurship is one of the fastest ways to transform our personal economic situation, but also that of our families and then our communities. And oftentimes a lot of people start a business because of the passion. Other people start a business because they, they want to have the money, but there's something about waiting for the right timing when those things like passion, money, and just the opportunity or the inspiration come together, because this journey is not easy and it's not for the faint of heart, but it's also hard to be working in corporate. It's also hard to be, you know, working per hour for somebody else. So you just have to choose your heart, but know that it gets romanticized, but there are some very real situations, mindset, just problems, just life, like life will be life in. And so it'll happen in entrepreneurship and you got to work through that too. So when you're, when you're committed to the big vision, then it's much easier to get through. Yeah. In the first six months, there was imposter syndrome, doubt. There was like, Oh my gosh, like shiny object syndrome. Oh my goodness, girl. And then I found the online space. Like I started my business off. I was like, I'm not going to go online. I'm a private person. Uh. And then when the pandemic happened, I was like, so you want to stop your business or you're going to go online? So I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'm going online. This is me speaking to myself. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then I went online and then all the ads started popping up on Facebook for all these 15 million different things. And I was like, okay. And I said, I invested. I made the investments. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, lots of things. It's, it's been a, definitely uh, my name of my show is called Entrepreneurship is a Marathon. It has been a marathon. It has been indeed. And the marathon continues. It keeps on going because the journey doesn't end. Journey does not end. Right. You mentioned something. You mentioned imposter syndrome, self-doubt. And, and you know, this audience is primarily business owners of color, Black and Latinx business owners, probably primarily women in terms of the listenership. And so there's an extra layer on top of just entrepreneurship being a, a personal challenge. 
there's an extra layer. So do you have any advice for women of color or either maybe it just someone who's not a white man, I, I guess, really, right? Because I want to be inclusive in terms of what the non-dominant experiences are and how that just adds a layer that you have to work through and find your confidence in as you're building this thing that is going to be your business. So the thing that pops up for me, a few things there is the white man authenticity and vulnerability. So the first, I'm going to address the white man comment because it's funny you mentioned that because literally when I was in corporate, my statement that I use, I said, WWWMD, what would white man do? And so I made a decisions, my choices, my strategies, my intentions was all like, okay, what would white man do? And then I put a little, you know, color buffer on it. Like, oh, but wait, I have a fro. So let me, uh, <laughs> let me buffer that a little bit right quick. Uh, and I'm in the Bay Area. So let me buffer that a little bit. But uh, ultimately, when I then started entrepreneurship and business, the reason why I bring up authenticity is that once I, like, when I read that report, I was like, oh my God, like, this is the quadrant for me. Like, this B&I quadrant, this business and investment quadrant is where I belong. Okay. So I was like, certain of that. Now, how would that, you know, enter that quadrant? Well, that would come in the whole trance a couple months later. But I was certain that that was the, like, where I belonged. And what I found so beautiful about the entrepreneurship journey and like even just becoming a business owner was that I was able to make it what I wanted. And so, and that was really important to me. So I was able to find that authenticity, like sort of space from the very beginning of my business, because I said, you know what, if I have to, you know, do certain thing in order to like, you know, be a certain way with my coworkers or whatever, you know, I'll do that. But in my business, no, no, no. All <laughs> right. In business, it was very much like even from the very beginning, I was just like, hey, there are 8 billion people in the world. I don't need 8 billion people to get to the sales amount that I need in my business. And so it's okay. Some people are going to be like, no, hopefully more of them say yes, then they say no. But hey, it's going to be okay if they say no, right, to hiring me to help them with their business. And so it was the reason why I bring up authenticity, because a lot of the times when people are trying to do their business, right, especially when you're talking about Black and Latinx, you know, people in general or women in general, it's like if you're coming from that corporate space where you are, you know, you kind of had to code switch and you kind of are doing, maybe you don't, you don't feel comfortable being your full self every single day. It's sort of use your business as a space to do that, right? And be unapologetically yourself because you can do that in business, right? It may not seem like it, but you can do that in business. And when you do that in your business, it allows you to have so much more freedom and space to then get the abundance that you actually want within your business. And it's, it's, that's all I can say there. It's like, I don't know how else to tell you, but it's a great experience. It's a great experience when you are just your full self. Right. It becomes really affirming. I mean, I, I've had experiences like that where going into corporate, my first law firm job, when I got interviewed, I think my hair was straightened and then I had put kinky twists in and my mom was like, they might not hire you. They might fire you because of your, your hair. And I was like, well, if they fire me, I don't want to work there anyway. Right. But that's also a place of privilege to be able to do that because I knew that I was going to be okay and I had a lot of degree to fall back on. But when I showed up comfortable my work was better because I was comfortable, right? Another thing was about like, what kind of pictures do I want on my website? And this, you know, attorney molds are very, very bland. They're very boring and like straight laced. And, you know, that's not how I am in terms of like, like I have a serious side for sure. I definitely have a serious side, but like, I like bright, vibrant colors. And I just went for it one day and took a bunch of bright pictures and Again, a comment was like, well, are you sure that they're going to want to hire a black attorney? Maybe you don't want that many pictures on your website. I'm like, look, if they don't want a black attorney, if they don't see it on the website when they go to it, they're going to be surprised when they when they meet me in person. I'd rather tell them now and let, you know, <laughs> let that come. But to your point of like showing up fully and being yourself, there is enough space for you. 
there are enough people in this world, enough clients who are going to want your services. And those things that you're trying to hide, people can feel that. And those things that you're trying to hide are going to be the things that your people really want and identify with. So don't hide, don't shy away, you know, fight through the imposter syndrome, fight through the doubt because you are absolutely, there's enough room for all of us creating our own tables in this world. So you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. So where can people get in contact with you or how can they find you if they are interested in following you or working with you? Oh, yes. So my two main platforms are Facebook and LinkedIn. If you are an Instagram person, you can click the follow button on Instagram. Every now and again, my team may post something, but you'll see much more activity on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I also do go live every week, Tuesday evenings on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So you can also check out my YouTube channel. Just search Vanessa Zami YouTube. Um, actually, if you just Google Vanessa Zami, it should pop up. And yeah, so we'll love to connect. Just say that, hey, saw you on Asha's podcast. And I'll be like, oh, okay, great. Uh, so because I don't, I don't request some strangers that often you know so i gotta be like i be careful out there uh so yeah so facebook and linkedin reach out or you can send me an email if you're looking if you are a business owner looking for you know support in growing your business and you're ready to take that next step and getting that support then you're welcome to schedule time at power.vzami.com uh, we'll put some links in the show notes probably i don't know uh but yeah happy to connect and reach out or you can just see my website vanessa zami it will be on the linkedin page as well as well as a facebook so i can be found just google me folks google me i'm really easy to be found Awesome. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much. I will not hold you any longer. You have definitely blessed us today with your words of wisdom and your story. You're an inspiration and you are so appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey family, I am so thankful that you are here listening to Transcend the Podcast and I just want to make sure you know the best way to stay in contact with me and that's through joining my email newsletter. So please head on over to the wilkersonlawoffice.com slash newsletter and join the list. I will tell you everything over there from what my offerings are to bits and pieces of information about how to grow and scale your business to self-coaching all the way to giving you updates on what the new podcast episode is. So don't hesitate. Go do it now. The wilkersonlawoffice.com slash newsletter. Thanks.